Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. On average, people who swear a lot have a larger vocabulary, I'm told. And not just because they know lots of swear words. Because they know four more words than the rest of the uh, <laughs> right. the rest of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, episode 40. I just finished a book, or I'm finishing a book, and it's pretty cool. I wanted to tell you about it because now we're doing this thing called the Undersampled Radio Book Review. Oh, so you read the book. So says me. I thought you'd just finished the manuscript. <laughs> no, I'm, cur- I'm, I'm consuming. I'm not creating. Okay. The name of the book is House of Mondavi. It's pretty cool. It's a look at uh, the wine family, the dynasty of Mondavis. And it's cool. You get to learn a little bit about uh, wine, and you get to learn a lot about family business that goes public. Very interesting. Read That's it if you're cool. into that type of thing. Well, if you're into wine and or business, read it. Yeah? Is Matt. there anything in there about geology and the geology of wine? No. Well, yeah. I mean, soil types. Yeah. Not really. I just thought I'd try to pique your interest. Now, the reason that I mentioned this so early on in the show is because I thought that Matt might get, get, get a kick out of this. So there's a wine, it's called the Wine Institute of New Orleans, Wino, okay. here in town, which is a school and wine bar. And I'm going to take this summer, early this summer, a Wine 101 class. Okay. Snobbish. Does it seem snobbish? Does it seem erudite? Yes. He's nodding his head. Yes. Okay. True. I'm, I'm, no, this However, is a nodding. This is the nodding of a person who's listening and taking it all in. But this not taking not, notes. I'm not listening. necessarily the nodding of approbation. Okay. So my goal here is to take this course and learn enough about wine so that I can tell my erudite friends that they should try this $20 bottle of wine, which is nicer than that $400 bottle of wine. Okay, that's that's yeah, it's kind of the Robin Hood of sommeliers. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly right. You can come up with a a new nickname for me, new uh, on-air nickname. Um, So we had a little problem this week with the riddle me this thing. (laughs) Yeah. What's 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 last week's riddle me this? Well, I you know I sort of fumbled that ball. So hang on, <laughs> just go back to the book for a second. So you you mentioned the book because of the course, but did, was there a reason for mentioning the course, or that's just like this is no? I just thought you'd be into it. No, I mean you seem like the type of person who's uh, who's who's a Robin Hood of of many characteristics, one of which being software. Yeah, no, I'm quite. I'm one of these people who's quite skeptical about wine appreciation. Yes, <laughs> I just. I just think wine's either sort of nice or it isn't, and I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, it's there's a bit of black magic around it, right? Data, and a lot of, um, and not a lot of data, and a lot of sort of, um, it, you know, how you feel in the moment and all that. Just the context of your wine drinking. You just say, light a candle and pull the cork, eh? Exactly. 
Okay. Well, then um, I apologize for mentioning it on air, and I'll even edit it out. <laughs> perfectly fine. No, I won't. Uh, so going back to the uh, going back to the, the riddle, um, yeah, I I sort of fumbled it a bit last time and uh, didn't articulate a, a riddle particularly well. But at the end of the um, document that I dropped in github.com slash software underground slash undersampled radio, uh, I'll put that in the show notes. There's a there's a notebook in there called Mineral Names Silliness, and it descended into just basically trying to make a list, a long list of mineral names that only use a few letters. <laughs> and what did we and come up with, Matt? The best I could do was um, satiniite, ice, tainiite, tin, and tintisite. And how did your constituents feel about you using ice as a mineral? It is, it is well supported. The evidence for what, ice is a mineral. Ask John Lehman about it. There's, there's much. Should I only ask him? Should I ask anyone else or just him? I, I, I don't know. There's got to be. There's got to be an expert somewhere. But that makes water, lava. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's delicious. Which is quite pleasing. Delicious. Hey, um, I see you don't have a single bullet point here at the notes. No, I don't. But I did want to mention something. If I can just slip one in. Um, we, I just re, uh, relaunched on Software Underground an appeal for chapters for a 52 things, a forthcoming 52 things you should know about X book um, on geocomputing. So if you or anyone you know, I know, would like to write a chapter, a very short essay, like 750 words, um, on uh, geoscience and computing, any issue really, and the books are about sort of what I call pub stories. So the stories that you normally tell in the pub, not necessarily things you would normally write a paper about. Um, if you go again, github.com slash software underground slash 52 things, all the instructs there for like making a submission or reviewing someone else's essay, which would also be greatly appreciated. Um, this is going to be the first time we've sort of tried to do a decent job of peer review. It's normally basically just me and Evan reading through stuff. So um, if you'd like to review, that's also welcome. And yeah, I'm hoping to get the book out before the end of the year. So that means we'd like to get essays in before the end of June. Cool. There you go. Got it. Um, there is, I, before we introduce our guest, I forgot there is the first thing on the list was I do have an actual news bullet point, which is we opened remote participation uh, registration for the June hackathon in Paris. So sign up and if you have questions, talk to me and you know where to find me. And if you don't, you know where to find Matt. Matt, introduce our guest. I will, Caitlin Salem. Caitlin, welcome. Hello. To, uh, <laughs> welcome to On Radio. Um, I, so I, this is the first time we've met um, Caitlin, either of us. Yes. And uh, it's a pleasure to meet you and have you on the show. Thank nice you. to meet you. Um, I basically just came across your your awesome videos, Kate, on your Kate Tectonics uh, YouTube channel, which is yes. linked in the show notes. Linked in the show notes. Please, uh, listener, please go watch um, Caitlin's videos. They're really, really, really great uh, and quite um, idiosyncratic and unusual. And um, so you won't have seen anything like it before. Um, where are you, Caitlin? Uh, well, first, I'd like to say, for the record, I am also uh, on team ice is a mineral. Just to put that out there. Awesome. 
Uh, <laughs> We've actually just had one of our listeners post a reference to ice being a mineral here in our in our Slack channel. So, yeah, Good. you guys are right. I'm drinking lava. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so uh, I work for a production company called Cinema Studios, um, and we're in Missoula, Montana. Uh, and my friend Michael Aranda, who also does various things on YouTube, is the director of Kate Tectonics. Okay, awesome. Um, where back? So I've only ever I've driven down from Calgary to uh, I used to live in Calgary, so we, we drove once to Yellowstone. So we went mm -hmm. through Helena, Helena, Helena. Um, which I really liked as a little town. I went for a really nice run up a really nice hill. Um, so that's my pretty much my only point of reference. Uh, whereabouts are you? In uh, so Missoula is like an hour and a half west of Helena. So with respect to the hill, we'd say about right that on the edge miles. of the uh, Rocky Mountains. Right. So it's right into the hills. It must be yep. a very beautiful area. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, awesome. I really miss the Rockies. How, are you crying? I think that's <laughs> crying. I get, I, I get a little bit choked up about it. Um, Change the subject. Caitlin, the videos are awesome. Why do you only have to, how long have you been doing this? There's only two videos up there. Um, I need more. So, <laughs> we, I also want more. I want more right now. Uh, so the process of this has been, um, and being in a production company, we've also been trying to like start the production company up um, and being an entrepreneur's indie uh, company is not an easy thing we're finding out. So um, as part of that, the, uh, the main funding that we've gotten for Kate Tectonics has been through a grant uh, that Montana provided for us. The Montana Film Office has a grant called the um, Big Sky uh, Film Grant. Um, so we received that to produce 10 episodes of Kate Tectonics. So, so far we do have funding for 10 episodes, just getting them out, the process of which getting them out in a production company we found is a little harder than we thought. We've shot through episode four, so um, two more on the way at least. How many hours of work does it take to get out one minute of video? Um, hours of work for one minute of video. So it seems like our our production schedule is such that it takes about two, three weeks uh, to produce and edit through one episode. Um, and that varies based on, you know, if people are going on trips, like Michael is in Amsterdam for a YouTube convention this weekend. Um, people have other various jobs in YouTube that they do. Uh, but it's generally like two to three weeks for one video. Yeah, wow. That's, it's uh, a lot. It, it's a yeah. lot. It is a lot. Cool. And how <laughs> Hopefully, much as we get the process down, that time will go down as well. Well, yeah, let me right. tell you, let, let me give you my uh, undersampled radio's perspective on, on post-production, uh, which is it takes us less than one minute of post-production per minute of production. And that's you why see, that's, the, that's the ideal like case. So if we could get if we could get to that point, you know, you don't want to get to that point. I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> Efficiency yeah. is is not always a good thing. Well, there's a production value trade-off as well. <laughs> yes, and I think that's a that's one of our key things that we that we really wanted to do is produce something that make something that was really highly produced, which takes yeah. 
a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how much um, do, are you include? Uh, are you including planning in there? Because it seems like there must be quite a bit of planning and preparation going into shooting your. Pieces. Yeah, that is a, including. Um, so essentially, the process. A, sh a short preview of the processes. I write an outline of all the topics that we want to talk about, all the sciencey things for that episode. Um, and then we meet with a writer, and the writer uh, and the director and I all put together a concept, something weird like a cooking show to explain the layers of the earth. Um, and then we have a production meeting with all of the, the crew, and we plan out shots, and we plan out animations, um, and then we spend time making any props that we need, um, and then from there, shooting it, editing it, adding animations, and just finishing all the final touches. So it's yeah. a it's a whole it's a whole production process that's put into it wow, that takes yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's really something, and I mean it shows it it totally shows in the final product. Good, you know? I hope yeah. so. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can, you know, you can tell, and I. I yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this sort of, I don't know where I'm going with this, by the way. I'm just sort of thinking out loud, but <laughs> so I apologize in advance. I was, about the... to, I was literally about to say that Matt, we, we don't do any post-production because Matt only needs one take. So or, here we go, or, Matt. Don't mess or, up. Or planning. Um, <laughs> or, but, you know, um, but the, you know, the, obviously the internet is just full of stuff. And some of it is highly produced and has clearly taken a huge amount of um, everything, money or planning or love or just attention. Yeah, definitely. To produce. Um, and then there's, there's everything right through the whole spectrum. Um, but I, I mean, I think people do really appreciate when something is crafted. I mean, do you know what I mean? There's a different, people put it in a different sort of space. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't necessarily, the, the conundrum, I think, for <laughs> content producers is that it's hard to tell when that's going to lead to more eyeballs. <laughs> Do you know what right. I mean? Right. Just because something looks really nice doesn't mean that it's going to click with people and they're going to want to watch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's. I, I believe you've been also doing some sort of um, like shooting the process of shooting as well, right? And sharing that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, we've done some behind the scenes type things because um, we do f some of our funding through Patreon. One of the perks that we have through Patreon, which is a, a crowdfunding website, essentially. Um, mm -hmm is that uh, we have a monthly live stream where people can just come and like do this. They can ask me questions or um, they can, we can just hang out. I can show various rocks that I bought or, you know, just whatever. Um, the last one that we had, we just had the my laptop on the set as we were filming uh, episode four of Kate Tectonics and people really like that a lot. I always thought that that would be an interesting thing just to see behind the scenes of like a little studio. So uh, yeah. various other things like that. We've been taking pictures and posting them on Instagram so right. that people can kind of see the process and get engaged and, uh, you know, a little bit more involved in in the 
the production and the the project itself they kind of feel more attached to it maybe because yeah. of that so if you want to see uh, some of the behind the scenes videos and if you would more importantly like to support the Kate Tectonics project go visit the we have a link on the show notes you can visit their patreon site and cough it up yeah <laughs> like what do you think um how's the patreon thing going and do you think um you know i i think again when people look at the web as a as a as a way to support their business it's like is it a marketing thing is it a sales channel yeah, i think uh, like how creators online make money is always a question that people have when they find out that you make content online mm. um and for a long time there wasn't really a good answer for that um like luckily our most of our funding right now is through that grant um right. but something through something like patreon the community can contribute directly to things that they like um you know it's not through ads where it's just various various things that they may or may not enjoy and then we get a cut of that from YouTube. It's, you know, I specifically, I really enjoy this thing. I want to help them do more of it. Um, so there are, there are a lot of online creators who I know wouldn't be able to do what they're doing right now um, without Patreon. Uh, so it's just, it's, it has its kinks. It's not like the most perfect platform, um, but it's one of the only ones that are out there. So uh, it, it's really one of the most important things of you know trying to produce something is making sure you do have the funding for it and if people are willing to support it then um you know i i think that's great it gets them involved they get perks yeah i, I think it's really cool i yeah i was just um involved in some twitter chat this week about um open access publishing like scientific publishing um you know because there's a big I guess uh, revolution going on right now in scientific publishing to um, have wider access for stuff and get get things out from behind paywalls and people are going about that in various ways, but um, I think there is just a and I think that was the other important thing is because it is you know this is education we don't want to put it we don't want to make it a subscription type of thing where right. it, it's not free and. Uh, if it's with something like Patreon, if you choose to and you have the means to support that, then you can. Um, but for everyone else, it's completely free. Yeah, um, right. And Patreon may not be the right platform for payments for certain things like a tech show. It makes more sense to be supported more by ads and more by partnerships with, uh, you know, tech companies or um, Sony because you're talking about their their products and their reviews and you know they can they can get into that sort of thing and because you're sort of making ads for them essentially uh, mm -hmm. but education I think it is more community driven by things like patreon yeah yeah totally um, yeah but I think that the the fact that it can be difficult it's not a you know even if you've got um, you know tens of thousands of, uh, of viewers or participants in whatever you're doing it's not necessarily um a slam dunk to to actually get paid for it and that pro the process of sort of educating the 
consuming community, if you like, the people who this stuff's actually aimed at, and uh, for the the process, the, the sort of cultural change that needs to happen um, is, I mean, it is underway. But it's been going on for years, and I think it's going to take years more before people sort of realise, oh yeah, if I want more of that, I actually have to support it with money. Otherwise, it's just going to stop. Right. <laughs> I think you know because. It's like I come from a sort of industrial background, spent most of my career in, in industry. Um, but I think the same thing happens in academia where people sort of take a little bit, take a lot of stuff for granted. You know, it's just like, oh, no, that's there. That happens. You know, this journal arrives. I get to read it. And um, and actually, you know, that's taking dozens of people, human effort and money to make. And um, the Internet sort of... The, 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 I guess, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but I mean, the internet very easily makes things free and available. And so right. it. And I think we're, we're, we're we are carefully. starting to see some of that in like the consumer world where, you know, mm. cable, it used to be you get a hundred channels and you don't want to watch any of those channels, but maybe like three of them. Now right. you have the option to be like, I want to just pay for HBO and I can just have HBO sort of thing. So I think people are kind of like, kind of, not exactly the same thing, but you know, like we're being able to say exactly what we want and be able to just support those things and not kind of be given other things that we don't necessarily want just because people think that we do. Yeah, totally, exactly. The videos are awesome, and it seems like Thank you. you could have used any content subject matter you wanted to. Why geology? Um, so I had the knowledge already. I studied geology at, uh, well, technically geoscience at uh, the University of Montana. Um, and as I was there, I there's already this community of uh, YouTube creators in Missoula. Um, there's a company here called Complexly, which creates uh, Crash Course and SciShow, um, which are two of the biggest educational channels on YouTube. Um, so I was already sort of surrounded by the education YouTube community. Um, and I, in looking for geoscience and geology videos online, I never really saw anything that was aimed at more of like the general public and that was highly produced there were there were things on you know more more specific things using jargon and may only be uh accessible to people who already know things about geology um so i thought that i could in being in this community already and having access to michael who is a brilliant filmmaker he makes things beautifully um and having the knowledge myself that it made sense to link those two things together and uh, see where we could go with it. Plus, we're in Montana, where the Rockies are. It just makes sense that I be able to take people outside and show them rocks when I am talking about rocks. That's awesome that you guys can match those two skills together. Is there, what's the plan? Um, I mean, where are you headed with the next few episodes and then also with the next, say, 100 episodes? So the we have like a basic curriculum for the first few episodes. We kind of wanted to 
sort of start out with a basic, what you would find in a geology 101 class sort of, but make it more fun and maybe add some things that I personally thought were more helpful to know about as I was uh, getting my degree and taking a few things out that I thought like, well, that's kind of really confusing and maybe not so much important for general people. Um, so we do follow sort of a curriculum for the first few episodes. We start with, uh, you know, the creation of elements, the creation of the earth and the layers. Uh, and then we get into minerals and the different types of rocks and then basic structural geology, how earthquakes happen. We've uh, interviewed a seismologist uh, in Butte. So um, we have various episodes that are different, like interviews like that one. Um, and then for the future, I'd love to just, you know, wherever there's a cool thing, there, there are a bunch of cool places in Montana even to just go there and reference some of the earlier episodes that we had and talk about specific things and actually see them because it's so much different, especially with geology to have hands-on things to explain concepts that you talked about previously because it is such a hands-on science. So to just visit more places and if somebody has like a cool um, rock that they found somewhere, do like little sections and episodes where I talk, somebody like sends in a picture of this rock or sends me the rock and um, we talk about that or something. So it, it, it going as far as even just general geoscience, I think um, it, we could just make videos on pretty much anything. Hmm. That's excellent. I love the idea of bringing on experts to, to sort of communicate, like use use the show as a liaison to the general public. Right, because you know, I'm not an expert. I have an undergrad degree in geoscience. Um, so I just know how to maybe portray it better than the general person. Um, so definitely being able to bring on people who have experience and more knowledge than I do and certain things is super interesting because they can, they have their own stories and uh, knowledge that they can share beyond me. Matt and I have been thinking recently a lot about science communication to a lay audience. And one of the things that we've been doing to gather ideas and opinions about how to do that effectively is crowdsource, brainstorm, and just ask a lot of questions. Um, do, you, do you find that it's, do you get pretty good interaction on YouTube? I mean, do, do you have a nice audience participation back and forth? Um, there's actually not, uh, it, it, I get most of my participation from um, forums like on Reddit, mm -hmm. uh, because it is sort of the, the general public that's watching my YouTube videos. Um, most of the comments are like, this is this is really amazing. This was super interesting. I didn't know that. Um, there are some times where uh, people ask questions that they don't know about something. Um, and so we may run with that. Like if somebody asks, um, you know, how do how do earthquakes work? like oh well we'll write an episode on that or like why is obsidian uh glass and then write an episode about that so uh having the community for ideas and involving the community as much as possible i think is uh, a good way to involve the general public and make it feel more less about the science and more about what 
they need from it. Yep. Mm. Yeah, nice. How, have you, um, like, w w have, have you always had this sort of uh, storytelling streak and the desire to um, share geoscience or, or science in general with the, with the general public? Um, maybe not science in general. I've always really liked uh, sharing stories. I've gone through phases of, um, through college of being a film production major, being a uh, English major, um, being a chemistry major. So I've always just been interested in both storytelling and science, I guess. So it never really occurred to me until I was in college and watching some other YouTube videos, I was like, oh, I can put these two things together. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. And what about the um, the sort of entrepreneurial uh, streak? Is that something you've um, you've always had? Uh, no, not at all. I never thought that <laughs> I would be in a this any sort of business situation. Right. Um, but it is a lot of fun starting from scratch and kind of making everything a certain way and just kind of having like that uh, feeling of being a part of something that is growing is really mm. cool. Yeah, the, I, I, I mean, um, I, I hadn't really um, experimented much with entrepreneurship either until I set out um, in uh, like six years ago. And um, the thing I really like is sort of knowing that you want to achieve some kind of things, you know, hesitate to say big things, but you've got these goals and it's like, now you need to sort of plot your way to get there, you know, cause uh, we, we um, bootstrap everything as well. I'm not, you know, we, we don't go into debt. We don't have investors, stuff like that. We basically just bootstrap everything by raising money, by doing right. things for people and, you know, however, and, um, yeah, I really, I really like that kind of problem-solving aspect of, of it. I mean, right? You don't yeah. Know if you're gonna and seeing your the process of getting there and then actually getting there feels great. Yeah, as long as as long as it leads some leaves some time to do the actual things that, you know, like mm -hmm. if you're a creative entrepreneur, you want to leave some time uh, for the actual creativity, not to spend your whole time filling out grant forms and um, right. doing pitches or or, or whatever. Um, what is the, you said the, uh, that there's a bit of a YouTube kind of community in Missoula already. Um, how does that kind of manifest itself? Are there, are there events that they organize? Is there support in that community for each other? Um, so it's mostly just, uh, there's a company, the company Complexly, uh, which is owned by Hank Green and John Green. Um, and then now us, uh, it just, there's a lot happening as far as production goes in Missoula, um, which is sort of strange to people because it's just like this little town in Montana. Usually you think of LA and mm -hmm. you know where BuzzFeed is or SourceFed. Um, so kind of just having this group of uh, creators for YouTube in the same place makes a little community for us to kind of bounce ideas off each other and borrow equipment or uh you know share production experiences yeah okay so that that sort of stuff does like you you actually um interact quite a bit i mean if you're borrowing gear and so on that's really cool yeah um and we go to there are 
conventions for YouTube. Um, the big one is VidCon. Uh, we we go to that every year. Um, Michael is at VidCon in Amsterdam right now. Um, so there's VidCon in Europe and Australia. Uh, so just interacting with communities and um, again, like getting them more involved in answering questions for them and getting letting them see like behind the scenes of things and see that the people behind their videos and the content behind their videos, it doesn't just like pop up on the screen magically. There's a whole, you know, process behind it yeah, yeah. with people. Do you guys have, do, do you use or have aspirations to use other platforms aside from YouTube? Um, for, for original content like like Kate Tectonics, I um, I feel like I'm pretty happy with just YouTube. Um, it's just the thing that I, I've always used, and the thing we know, you know, we're used to the algorithms of, and mm. we're used to the communities. Um, but really, I think the the only other platforms would be, I guess, other online platforms or TV or film, but it doesn't seem like, with online video, you can, it, it's different from TV in that you can produce exactly what you want, how you want to, and, um, you know, if you want to make a 40-minute video about uh, talc, you can do that, <laughs> and there's no production crew standing behind you being like, oh, I don't know if, I don't know if people are going to like this when it ends up getting like a million views and they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so I think online video is a different platform and is a good one, especially just YouTube in general for uh, like free education. Yeah, right. It's interesting to hear you say that. I, having no experience in that world, I would imagine that the creativity quotient is governed more by investment and sponsorship than the hosting platform that you use for the for the actual product um, is there uh, is there a way to sort of like retain control uh, of the of the production using a different medium um, like there is in YouTube so for example if you if you wanted to start a TV show you would have to get outside investment uh, you would have to perform to some user rating or, or uh, score or whatever. Um, right. Is there some way to target those, target that production in this way that YouTube's aimed at, like virality? Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, I don't. I don't know. I feel like with YouTube, it's they've they're even starting to sort of turn YouTube into TV now hmm. with YouTube Red and YouTube paying for uh, professionally produced um, web series. Um, so I, I almost feel like, uh, you know, things like TV are going to, instead of um, us sort of trying to find ways to mesh uh, online education for the general public sort of uh, way to produce things into TV. 
I feel like TV is probably going to come more this way. Or uh, die. Yeah, yeah, possibly. No, I like it. I mean, um, TV's a shotgun, right? And uh, and uh, YouTube channels are sniper rifles. Right. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, it looks good, and we're glad you're doing it. When can we expect your next video? Can you say? Uh, so, I think about two weeks from now, the third episode will be out. Are you allowed to tell us what the episode is about? I can. Um, the third episode, I go to space. Space? And uh, <laughs> uh, we talk about went. the... <laughs> yep. <laughs> The, uh, the production of the creation of the common elements on Earth and star fusion, um, which, you know, doesn't necessarily have much to do about geology, but I, it's a really cool and interesting concept, I think, to understand where the elements and the basic building blocks of what you have in rocks come from. So, so it turns out you know a thing or two about space as you volunteered at NASA for uh, a while. Yes, uh, I was living in Alabama for a couple years going to school uh, and I was an intern for NASA for a year. Uh, I uh, did not go try to be an astronaut or anything. Uh, I don't like roller coasters and I don't like spinning. So I don't think that being an astronaut would be my thing. If they could just magically get me up there with like a teleporter or something, once we get to teleporter technology, uh, I'd be all for that, like exploring Mars and stuff. Um, but I just worked with uh, GIS and satellite data at uh, NASA Surveyor. Gotcha. And I, I applied to be an astronaut because I do like roller coasters. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I'm not. I didn't make. I'm not an astronaut, so there. That was it. Um, but I get to I go. Hear it's, it's very difficult. I hear eight people out of eighteen thousand five hundred were accepted, yep. um, and wow. so far we don't know who those people are yet. However, I'm going to take a tour of Johnson Space Center next month. It's going to be awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, a friend of uh, a friend is an astronaut, and we're going to go zip around over there and check out behind the scenes action. I'm that would pretty be really cool. excited about it. Very cool. I, uh, the Redstone Arsenal is right in Huntsville, Alabama, where I was living. Um, and they have all sorts of, you know, all the old shuttles and uh, oh, wow. an entire Redstone rocket there. Uh, so I've been through some, some uh, NASA space museums and they're always really cool. Is there going to be actual live like NASA real equipment going. in your next episode? Uh... You know, we couldn't get the budget for that, <laughs> but we somehow did get to space. Awesome. So. That's really cool. Well, I'm uh, my. We normally ask people um, what they're reading, so I'm going to ask mm -hmm. you in a second, Caitlin. But okay. um, m mine's relevant to the conversation we just had, so I'm just going to. Uh, and we already heard from from Graham reading about terroirs. Um, I'm reading um, "Packing for Mars" by Mary Roach. Either of you guys read that no. book? No, I haven't. It's really good. Have you read any of her books? Mm -mm. You know, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. She's. I think her others are called Gut, Grunt, Bonk. They're, they're, she's a journalist, and she writes about somewhat sciencey subjects. <laughs> um, 
so like gut i guess is a is like the journey through the alimentary canal <laughs> it's a delightful subject um <laughs> packing for mars is about astronauts and um it's very readable uh she's a very good writer real life nonfiction. yeah yeah um but very engaging and all the kind of just interesting stories about like you know how do they find out what happens to people when they spend three months not moving right <laughs> and what happens to a person if they don't shower for six weeks and just stuff like that um and yeah being an astronaut sounds pretty horrific <laughs> i i get like motion sickness so uh, i'd be totally out uh, yep that well. is me too Really well, well, I'm, I'm looking for a new book, so I'll read it. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's really good. Uh, highly recommended. Um, so, Caitlin, what are you uh, reading at the moment? If um, I've got a couple books that I'm reading right now. Uh, the first one, I'm a couple chapters into uh, Redder, Ready Player One. Ah. I'm reading. Yes, yes. Very good and so far. You like it? I do. Mm. I like it a lot. I only read uh, that. A year ago or so. But, um, uh, I believe it's coming out as a movie, which is why I wanted to get it read. Yeah, that's that is also why I started. <laughs> bad reason to kind of read a book, but uh, that is also one of my main reasons for wanting to read it. Um, and then uh, last night I just got a origami book, so I'm reading about different types of origami. What, like I feel like we're about to see origami in the show. Oh, you know, maybe we'll ah. put put little Easter eggs in the set. Awesome. Yeah, right. People can find them. Are you reading that? It's like a how-to kind of book, or like a history of. Yeah, of so it's less it's less reading and more like trying to mimic pictures. And there was like a little section at the beginning of uh, history in Japan of origami, which was interesting, but mostly hands-on things. Less reading and more folding paper. Yes. I, I went to a really good math. Uh, lecture at the University of, I think this must have been in Calvary, pretty sure, University of Calvary, maybe uh, eight years ago. Um, I will, when I remember the name of the, the chap, I will put it in the show notes. Um, but he, he, he was, his research area was, was folding and paper folding origami. <laughs> and yeah, I guess it's a sort of branch of topology. Um, now I can't remember if he was involved in this proof, but it was around about that time that the, I, someone proved that you can make anything out of or, in with origami. Essentially, you can make any three D shape mm -hmm. by folding, um, which I guess is a big deal if you're an origami wrist. Yeah. So I'm interested in making all the shapes. So, Caitlin, <laughs> right. we've but, been uh, doing. I mean, yeah, it just always struck me as a really hard thing to do to say, "Here's a three D object." How like. I can how do you how make you 3D from 2D? But yeah, basically trying to like reverse, essentially reverse engineer a 3D shape by folding just seems like an incredibly hard thing to do. Especially in like 10 and 11 dimensions or whatever they're doing. <laughs> so I think, I think uh, whatever his name was, he was just talking about regular 2D folding in to like folding a 2D um, manifold in 3D space, I think. So, are you ready for Riddle Me This? Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, I nearly okay. panicked there when I thought you were going to say, come on then, Matt, what is it? But no, no, it's, I, it's you. me. It's You're me up. today. Me this week. <laughs> That's right. Um, Caitlin, so, feel free to answer this. 
live on air. Okay. If, Caitlin, if Caitlin answers this question live on air, we're canceling Riddle Me This. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Caitlin. <laughs> it's Matt's only hope. Okay, here's the qu there's two questions, okay? This is this is terrible for a radio show. I don't know why we're doing this. Okay, what is this? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna spin this thing around in front of the camera. Hopefully the autofocus is working. Okay. And everyone who's listening to this as a podcast should now stop and go to YouTube and see this thing. And tell Are me what it is. Are we allowed to ask questions? Nope. Oh. And <laughs> the harder part of the question. That was is, a question. That was question number one. Oh, yeah. And the harder part of the question is, when was it built? So I will give a hint about when was it built, especially because I'm not sure if this is going to show up on the camera very well. This thing is cast brass, the outer uh, casing of this thing. So hopefully that gives you a hint. Yeah. That makes uh, a satisfying thud when you when you put it down on the table. Yeah, that's uh, heavy. <laughs> Secondarily, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip this thing apart this weekend uh, on my bandsaw, or maybe with a torch, and take pictures of it, and then sh and show you what's inside. I'm gonna whoop, I'm gonna post it on the channel. Impaled myself. With whatever I guess it's this probably thing unbreakable. Um, post pictures on Twitter. Oh, also, there's pictures on Twitter. I should have probably thought of this. If you want to see pictures of this thing, if you're listening to this radio show on the radio, you can go to my Twitter feed and see pics. Which I think immediately answers the first question. Okay, so hit number two is the first answers on Twitter. <laughs> okay, okay, going so, to Twitter. <laughs> Matt, we're talking about origami. Um, origami. Origami. Pronounced, yeah. And um, it's all very fascinating, especially in 11 dimensions. But the question I want to ask you is, Oh wait, hold on. We didn't do the rest of it yet. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me let me hold off the origami question. It's too, it's too late. <laughs> um, Caitlin Salem, thanks for joining us on Understampled Radio today. Of course, yes. thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Hey Matt, speaking of origami, can you fold a piece of paper more than eight times? You mean like fold in half, right? Yep. No. Sign us off. <laughs> well, that's all from us this week. Yeah, thank you, thank you again, Caitlin, for for coming on the show. Um, I hope you'll come back. Uh, maybe maybe we'll get you back when you've done some more of these videos, and we can see uh, we can like count up all your views and um, read some of your read some of the comments on your YouTube videos. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, they're all good. Yeah, I I mean, just as a sort of final uh, little question, actually, on comments, because I mean, I wanted to ask you earlier. Do you you don't? I mean. Some people get a lot of um, abusive or nasty stuff on YouTube. I, I've never experienced that with stuff I've put out into the world. Um, I hope you haven't either. But the, the comments I saw on your stuff look awesome, supportive. Um, it seems like, thankfully, the community that we have so far has been super positive and supportive. I think we've only ever had one or two of the hundreds of comments that are on it that have been negative. Um, so you never know how that changes when you start getting more views because then you just started getting everybody watching it. But so far, it's been sure. super positive. 
Yeah, because I meet people who say, you know, they're they're kind of afraid or whatever of putting stuff out there on the web. For, and I, I'm just like, yeah, the, the community is really supportive. So anyway, I wish you the best of luck with um, the rest of that series. And we look forward to seeing the next one in a couple of weeks and uh, those thereafter. Um, thanks again. Thank and you. that's all, I guess. We'll be uh, we'll be on uh, we'll be on next week with another guest. We don't know who it is yet, so you'll have to tune in to find out. Look forward to seeing you then.